Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Hey, Jubilee family, it's an honor to be with you today, whether you are joining us online or at one of our in-person services. We are so, so glad. I am so glad that you decided to be with us today. And we have so many people who are doing so much to make Jubilee happen. I just want to mention them real quick. J Kids Media, Worship Youth, First Impressions, Operations, Facilities, Admin Tech, Community Groups, and so much more. In fact, before we get started, I would love it if in our in-person services online, could we just give a round of applause for these groups of people? Amazing. If you're online, you know, comments, emojis, hearts, whatever it is, like let the service host know as well that you appreciate what they do, what they do. I appreciate what everyone does. You make it happen. And, and I just want to go ahead and say, this is your official invitation. If you're new with us, not on a serving team, this is your official invitation from me to be a part of one of our teams. We are in the midst of a three-week serving campaign called On the Path, where we are reminding ourselves of the way of Jesus. We believe that Jesus is God. We believe that he is ultimate reality and he's the one who brings us peace, joy, hope, righteousness, purpose, freedom. And our hope in this series is that we would reorientate ourselves toward him, where we no longer fall prey to simply having good intentions, that, but we never actually orientate ourselves uh, toward him. That can be costly. About 20 years ago, I think it was, before GPS were on our phones, we had to actually print out our directions before taking a trip, which, I mean, we are just so much more robust at problem solving back then. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I had to actually give someone directions. And I mean, like actual directions, like, you know, go take this street, turn left, turn right, you know, actual directions. And honestly, I like forgot how to do it. I mean, I was like, you know, I don't know, follow the blue line. What do you want from me? Like, just do what the phone says. And uh, anyway, so we're taking this trip to Atlanta and we're, we have to follow instructions. I don't have anyone telling me, no voice command prompting me which way to go. And so we're going down I-57 uh, in, down in Illinois and, and you have to go, you have to hit I-24 somewhere in the middle of Illinois, Southern Illinois. You have to hit I-24 to go into Tennessee you know, Chattanooga and to hit 75 going to Atlanta. Well, anyway, I miss 24. I stay on I-57. I end back into uh, Missouri. And what I learned that day is that it's my direction, not my intentions that determine my destination. Like I intended to go to Atlanta, but I, I took a path toward back to Missouri um, And chances are, if you're watching the sermon, I mean, you intend to follow Jesus, all right? So this is how this applies. You intend to follow Jesus. So you intend to have joy. You intend to have life. You intend to have peace and and purpose. You, You intend to have all the things that Jesus offers. But if you're not on the path, like if you're not positioning yourself, directing yourself toward him, your intentions won't prevail. Your direction will. And so that's what this series is about. This series is about no longer falling prey to our intentions, but we want to reorientate ourselves back on the path. And one of the things that you're going to realize once you start following Jesus is that to be on the path to follow Jesus means to be on a path to service. I mean, after all, for, for he said this, we learned this last week, that even the Son of Man did not come to be served, 
but to serve, that he made himself a servant, that he, uh, he didn't come to earth and, you know, to climb the ladder politically, you know, relationally, economically. He actually climbed, he went down the ladder. He didn't go up the ladder. He went down the ladder and he gave his life away for you and me. And, the, and this is the true path of greatness that we talked about last week. And I just think the world is waiting for this type of greatness uh, on, on the side note. You know, we live in a world that's skeptical about power. We're, we're skeptical about those who are in power and who have influence. And we follow a God who demonstrated us that true greatness and influence is found in divesting ourselves of our power, not trying to accumulate it for ourselves. So on one hand, you know, people reject what Jesus is all about, but man, they're longing for a leader like Jesus. I just think we have this amazing opportunity as a bit of a side note to be a witness to the world what, how to handle power, how to handle leadership. And Jesus taught us, it is a path of service. So this three-week series is all about reorientating ourselves, reminding ourselves to be on this path of following Jesus is a path of service. So last week was the path to greatness. And this week is, we're talking about the path to purpose. In fact, we're, we're gonna learn today that if you don't, if you're not on the path of service, you're never really going to find what you're really on earth here for. You're never going to find your true purpose. And so we're going to go through Ephesians uh, chapter two, the, the first 10 verses, and we're going to talk about how we, uh, how we have gotten off the path and how we get back on it. So anyway, so here's Ephesians two, one through three. This is the apostle Paul. Paul uh, started this church and he's writing this letter to encourage the church. And, and this is what he's going to say to them. And the, the past tense is important because this is how they used to be. It says in verse one, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the power that is now work in the sons of disobedience, talking about us, among whom we all, okay, this is all of us, not just some, but all of us, once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, we were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So like we are all in this together. Okay, so Paul here is summarizing this true spiritual condition of mankind. And it's a condition marked by sin, um, not just acts of sin, but a, a nature of sin. Now this is in stark contrast with, you know, a popular idea like, you know, most people think, hey, you know, people are generally good. We just need to tap into our inner goodness. Uh, Paul's like, no, that's not what's true. What's true is that we are all, um, we all commit acts of sin, but it is our nature to sin. Since we were by nature, children of wrath. We, we were, this was our nature. And, and I want you to notice a couple things here. First of all, I want you to notice the word you. He's not talking about the ambiguous we. He's saying you specifically. Sin is a fatal disease that affects everyone and it has affected you. Um, there are just not good people and bad people. There are only sinful people. Only God is is good. So first of all, this applies to all of us. Secondly, Paul doesn't simply refer to occasional acts of sin, but a fallen condition that he describes as being dead. Bad actions are a result of a dead condition. So you don't have the flu because you have a cough. You have a cough because you have the flu. The condition of people spiritually dead is sinful action. So our condition is that we are spiritually dead, and our actions is that we sin. That is that we don't trust God, but we trust ourselves. So, so it's important for us to see, you know, why are you saying this, Brian? It's important for us to see our true condition before Christ, before we can talk about 
the cure. Because if we are dead in our sins, there's no amount of religious duty or self-help or uh, you know, moral, uh, moral behavior modification that's going to do us any good. You know, it's kind of like if you've ever had that moment where you've like, you know, you, know, you look into your refrigerator and you notice this Tupperware like kind of hidden in the back. And you're like, oh, you know, I wonder what that is. And so you, you don't remember. And so you open it up and, and you smell it. And then like four hours later, when you wake up, uh, you realize that it's this rotting piece of chicken. Now, what you don't do in that situation is you don't like, you know what this needs? This needs a little barbecue sauce. You know, if I just kind of put a few spices on it, everything's going to be fine. No, it's rotting. It's dead. Uh, it was actually dead when you put it in there. At least I hope it was anyway. I hope you didn't put a live chicken in there. But assuming it's a dead chicken, you, it, was already, it was already in the process of death. And now you're seeing the fruit of that death, which is something that is rotten. And that's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying that you have a condition of deadness. Even if it doesn't, maybe it manifests differently from person to person, but it's there and you can't address it with external behavior modification no more than you can just put barbecue sauce on a piece of rotten chicken and think it's going to be okay. Paul says that we are dead and rotting away. It's just that we don't just need to stop sinning. We need to stop being dead. Brian, this isn't very encouraging. Well, I've got bad news for you because it gets worse. He says in verse two that in our deadness, we end up following the ways of the world. So the Bible also uses the language like patterns of the world, which leads us further and further away from our purpose. But it's not just that we follow the ways of the world. We are, we are also following the prince of the air, who's Satan. There are just two kingdoms. This isn't complicated. There are just two kingdoms in the world. There, 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 there's God's kingdom and there's Satan's kingdom. People who end up following their own way, rejecting God and following their own way, unwittingly subject themselves to the demonic rulership of Satan. And it just moves them further and further and further away from purpose. To have purpose, this is to have purpose, you have to be willing to be a means to an end. Um, and sin resists that idea. So, so this music stand that, that you couldn't see, but now you can see, it, it, the purpose is that it's holding my notes. It has a purpose. It's a means to the end, and its means, I'm, its means is that it's holding my notes. If you're sitting down right now, the chair has purpose because there's a means to an end. The chair is there for you. Uh, you are not there for the chair. In other words, you give the chair purpose. The chair doesn't give you purpose. So to have purpose, you have to be willing to be a means to an end. The problem for you and I is that we don't want to be a means to an end. We want to be the end. We want to be the center, just like Satan. Satan did not want to have, he, he didn't want to be a means to an end. He wanted to be like God. And that was the lie he told Eve in the garden, that God is holding out on you and that you can be just like him. So our sin keeps us from purpose because it's sin that keeps us from wanting to be a means to an end. And if you're not willing to be a means to an end, you have no purpose. So what does it mean to be saved? I mean, I got to be honest with you. Sometimes I cringe when I hear that word because I, because I think about, you know, confrontational tracks and cheesy billboards and all that. But really that's the best word that describes what you and I need because you and I need to be rescued. We need to be 
saved. We, we weren't just in the doghouse with God, you know, guilty of a few offenses. We were dead. We were in the morgue. In the doghouse, we could cry out for help. We could make some new resolutions. Uh, we can do a lot of things. But what can you do if you're in the morgue? What do you do if you're dead? You need a savior. And, and the next line is probably the best line in, in all the Bible, but God. And I just want you to let that sink in for a second. You are helpless, but God. You know, sometimes you see that picture, which I think is one of the worst pictures of the gospel, where like there's a hand in the water coming out of the water and there's a hand from heavens, supposedly God, you know, you're in the water, that's your hand and here's God grabbing you because you're sinking out. It, it gives the impression that you can actually reach out to him. The Bible doesn't say that you're like on the surface of the water, like reaching out to God. It says you are at the bottom of the ocean, helpless, hopeless, dead. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love. This is not, you know, this kind of mechanical, formulaic salvation plan. This is his mercy. This is his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, meaning we were rejecting him, actively rejecting him, running away from him, he made us alive. He did the work. We are the, if you don't remember eighth grade, you know, grammar, we were the passive, we are the passive agent. We didn't do anything. He did it. He made us alive with Christ. Why did he save you? Because he is rich in mercy. Why did he save you? Because his love is great. Exodus 34. If you don't know there's grace in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, let me show you some grace and love in the Old Testament. The Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. That's who God is. Man, I love 2 Samuel 14, 14. We all have diverse stories. We've all been, if, if you've been saved, if you've been rescued by God, there's all different kinds of stories. It all has the same end, but we all get there in different ways. And 2 Samuel explains that we all must die. That's, that's our fate because of sin. We are like water spilled on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. Again, our helpless state. Have you ever dropped water on the ground? Have you ever tried to pick it back up? Can't do it. But God devises means so that the banished ones, that's you and I, will not remain an outcast. Now, I want you to notice a shift that's happening in this text. He's talking about our fallen state, um, you know, how sin has destroyed our purpose. And now he's shifting to see how uh, his grace and his mercy restores it. So sin destroys it. His grace restores it. Sin causes us to be blind and look inward. Grace and mercy start and enables us to see and look outward. And so he talks about his grace, which is the foundation of our purpose. The foundation of our purpose is not you and I. It's not what we do. It is him. It doesn't, so that means it doesn't matter how much you've messed up your life, you know, how bad your marriage is, how bad your finances are. You know, if you strayed in sin, God has a plan and purpose of your life that the foundation is his grace and mercy. You can't mess it up because it's all about his grace and mercy. God did something for you. He loved you. He showed you his mercy. He made you alive. It's all dependent upon 
him. He saved you and he seated you. He raised you up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So he, before he gets into telling us what he has for us, he wants us to know the foundation of this life is grace. And it's also the fact that we have this position in Christ. And that is we're seated in heavenly places, which means you and I don't have to strive. You know, sometimes we get all insecure about our role and what we do. And like, I've got to make myself something. I want you to know the moment you become a Christian, you are seated in heavenly places. There is no ladder for you to climb because you can't get any higher than that. Your, your identity in Christ is secure because of his grace. Not because of you, not because of what you've done, not because of your past or your future. It's all because of him. Your, your purpose is not to have the perfect life or, or, or the polished life. He's not looking for perfect people, polished people, powerful people, popular people. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. And he wants to save us by his grace. Why does he do that? So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. We are like billboards of his grace. That's what he wants to do. He wants to show you and I off to the world and saying, look, look at the effect of my grace. We heard this story last week with Maria, how God came to her, saved her, rescued her, healed her. She is a billboard of God's grace. You are a billboard of God's grace. And then in verse 10, we get to the, to the point of how we have purpose. It says this, for we are his workmanship, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has saved you, he has seated you, and he has prepared you to have a purpose. And that purpose has to do with good works, things that he has for you to do, a life of service for others, right? That he has for you to do. This is what it means to be on the path. It means to have purpose. And that purpose is rooted in what God has laid out for you. He has a plan for your life. He, we, we believe that everyone is created on purpose for a purpose. So God has saved us and we respond with worship. We, we pour our lives out as a, as a living sacrifice. We, you know, this, Paul talks about this in Romans 12 in light of his grace. We now lay our, in response to that, we worship him, which means that we magnify him with our life. That is, we, we, we begin to serve him. We begin to serve other people. We begin to say, yes, I want your plan for my life. I, I wanna be a means to the end. I don't wanna, I, I wanna repent of being, thinking that I can be the end because only God is the end. We are a means to the end. We, are, we do have purpose. So we, we are his workmanship. And that word workmanship in the Greek is po, is is poema, which is very similar to the word poem. It's where we get our word poem from. Now, I'm not a poetry guy. I mean, I wrote a few rap songs back in the day. But here's what I know about poets. Uh, here's what I know about poems, that poems are like heart on a page, right? Like they express the inner emotion, the inner workings of the artist. It, ex it is a, an expression of the inner being of the artist. God is the artist and you and I are the art. We are his workmanship. We are his masterpiece. We have been prepared in advance as his masterpiece, his workmanship to walk in these good works, which means there is a reason why you are the way that you are. And he has a plan and a purpose for it. Psalm 139 says that, uh, says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Like God has a plan. He has a redemptive plan. Uh, Acts 17 says that the times and boundaries of your habitation were set before you. Like God has thought this thing through. He has a purpose for you to walk in. He's laid out for you a path of service and good works. 
And that's what I want to talk to you about that. You, you may push back on this, but here's, if I could sum it all up in this word, I want you to know that God has a call on your life. Not just mine, not just Greg, not just David, not just Seth, not just Steve. I am telling you that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. You're not just, you're, you're, your purpose is not just to sit there and watch other people do stuff, cheering them on, you know, do what you're, you are in the game. You are in the game. God has given you a gift. God has made you a gift and he's given you gifts so that you would fulfill a purpose within the body of Christ. If you fast forward Ephesians 3.10, it says that, 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 that the church working together with all of its different parts that we put on the wisdom of God to display. So he's got a plan and a purpose and he puts people together in, a, in local communities called the church, like Jubilee, to fulfill this purpose. And we have to learn to appreciate all the different gifts that we have. And it's not just those who teach. I mean, in fact, you know, I don't know if you know this or not. In fact, teaching gets singled out like not many of you should want to do this because there's double double judgment. Like not many of you should want to teach. If you're thinking like, man, teaching is the, is the only gift. And man, there's so many more gifts than that. First uh, Corinthians 12 talks about all these different gifts and it talks about how the, that sometimes the hidden ones, the, uh, the ones that, yeah, the ones that are hidden, they, the ones that we wouldn't think of initially, like those are the ones that really have honor. Um, there's a, a, a an amazing woman in our church, Ellie Sanazero, that just written a kid's book about this called Image Bearer. If you haven't gotten that book, look it up on Amazon or look it up online or you know, email her and get that book. It's awesome. It's amazing. How many here, like, you don't have to, I mean, I can't see anyway, but like how many here would say, you go ahead and do this for the people that you're around. You've had gall, you know, you've had your gallbladder removed. I don't know if I'm just violating HIPAA law here by asking you that question, but you know, no one would be like, you know, I want to be the gallbladder in, in the body of Christ. Like, no one says that. Like, you know, the gallbladder, you know, I don't know if you know this, but, and, and I hope I get this right, but it produces bile, which is kind of gross, right? And, but it plays a key function <laughs> in your body. Like, if, it, if you get, some of us have had that removed. If you get that removed, I mean, you can kind of get on, but you're not operating 100%. And, and, and sometimes you can, you, an attack can come to your body and it can cause serious damage. And like, man, every part in the body is, is valuable. And you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to walk in good works and to serve, right? And I, and I get so concerned because like the trend in the church world, in the evangelical Protestant church world, is that we are more and more looking like, pre-Reformation Catholic church where there's like a few people doing something and everyone else is just watching along. And at Jubilee Church, we're saying no to that. Like we believe that everybody, uh, that everybody in the body of Christ has a purpose. Everybody has a function to make a difference. I mean, that's written right into our mission statement. We believe if you are called by God, if you have the spirit of God in you, you have a purpose, you have a function, and it's about laying your life out in service in the church and I just want to invite you forward. I want to invite you uh, to join a team to, 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 to walk down that path 
to, to begin to use the gifts that God has given you. You're like, well, I don't know what my gifts are. Man, we want to help you and, and point you in the right direction. And, and we do something called growth track, which explains more of that. But the, but the truth of the matter is you just need to do something. You just start serving and, and, you, and, and people will begin to affirm you and they'll begin to point things out in you and it'll, get, it'll begin to get shaped and, and you'll begin to say, oh my gosh, that's why I'm that way. And, and you begin to see how God has gifted you. He is he is wonderfully, and he, you are his masterpiece. He has a perfect fit for you, but you gotta get in the game. You gotta get on the court, right? You, you gotta, otherwise you're just robbing yourself of, of your purpose and, and God wants to use you together with other people to flex his muscles on planet earth, to, to communicate, man, he wants to push back darkness and don't count yourself out. I mean, God, I mean, some people, man, they just think like, man, because of my past, because of my past, because of my past, because of my past, I'm not qualified. Man, this was never about you. That's why I went through, Paul goes through, I should say, Ephesians 2, and you are dead in your sin. This is all God. This is his mercy. This is his grace. The foundation of your purpose has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with the grace of God. God can take your 20 years of addiction and he can weaponize that against the kingdom of darkness. And I want to invite you to allow God to do that in and through you doesn't matter what your past is. Everybody is invited to play if you are born again. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. So here's what I wanna do. God has created you to walk in good works. Your purpose is going to be found in a life of service and it has everything to do with the local church. If you've not taken this step, I wanna invite you to join a serving team. Maybe you're in a serving team and, and I just wanna give you permission to dream. I wanna give you permission to see the needs in the church and begin to spot those needs and fill those needs. You see someone who needs to be prayed for, pray for them. If you need someone, you see someone who needs to be loved, love them. If you need someone who be, needs to be cared, care for them. And I wanna encourage you to take another step into leadership. Maybe some, some of you need to step into that role. Like God has prepared you. You don't even know this yet, but God has prepared you to lead other people. And we wanna be the kind of church that invites people in to taking chances to discover their purpose so they can make the difference that God before the foundation of the earth has prepared for them. This is all God's grace. We were dead in our sins. This is not our idea. We ran from purpose. God saved us. He made us alive because of his grace and mercy. He's, he's restored. He's, he's forgiven the past. He saved us from something, but he's also saved us to something. And it's a life of purpose through good works through his local church. I'm gonna pray for you. Uh, and then we're gonna go into a, a time uh, of worship. God, we just thank you, Lord. This is all for you, by you, through you. We're just so undone by your grace. We don't deserve it, but you've loved us with great mercy, with great compassion, you have loved us. And I just pray for everyone watching this right now that you would restore to them this vision that you have a plan for their life, that you have a purpose. There's nothing about their past that cannot be restored because this is all about your great mercy. This is not our own works, lest we boast. This is all about you. And I just pray you visit my brothers and sisters. Help us to get on this path and keep walking down this path with you. 
in your name. Amen. Amen.